Welcome to Europarama, the border-breaking podcast about science fiction and the future of Europe, brought to you by Are We Europe. I'm Giuseppe Porcaro. I'm Alberto Cottica. And I am Julian Hams. And for this season, Europarama joins forces with Edge Riders and their science fiction economics lab as they had an incredible idea. Instead of writing academic papers, they decided to channel out-of-the-box economic thinking around building the fictional world of witness. In each episode, we explore a part of this universe as it's being created, and you will learn more about how you can also contribute to its making, as this is an open source world that everyone can use. Today, we will travel with Joriam and Alberto to Higa, and Higa was the first district of witness. I'm going to ask Joriam straight away because he's the person that has been conceptualizing this district. Joriam is a, a network connecting specialist. He hosts also a world building YouTube show called World Building Tower. So Joriam, what is Higa? How does it look like? What shall we know about it? I think the most interesting part of Higa is the historical process it lived. So when you ask me, how does it look like? I could tell you that it depends on the time. It is a place that went through a very dramatic transformation. And it all started with a man, the visionary, the person with an idea and a dream and a drive to make it happen. This is how Witness and Higer, which used to be the same thing, they came about. There was this visionary need. He convinced a lot of people and he built the thing that he dreamed of. Even though nobody knew if it would be necessary, in this world building that we created, a gigantic climatic event, a climatic catastrophe made the city of Witness necessary. But that's the thing. He was a visionary and visionaries have their use and their role but they also have their limitations in this case denton was not ready for the diversity that witness would represent he had a very clear idea of how life should go about in his project but once the project was running was real his mind could not accept all those other forms of living all those other cultural interactions that would happen in witness so what happened was witness fragmenting itself into separated districts and for the longest time this man denton fought the idea of Hege being in a district, he still wanted to keep that unified version, this almost like nationalistic view around. But eventually it was very clear that this part that he was controlling, that he was dictating, was a different entity from others and it needed to be named. And the name Hege came later. It is a place that now lives the aftermath of both climatic catastrophe, but also a political catastrophe. If you want to imagine the beginnings of Higa, it was a place with many different architectural styles. It was a place that used to be seen as a tribute to mankind. It would uh, celebrate the world's culture and the world's technology and the world's arts. But as the place evolved and evolved and evolved, there was a search for efficiency, a drive to find the common denominator of everything. So more and more Higa's architecture started to get planned. It looked like more of a place that was designed by someone than something that was made by many different hands. It started even to look like the architectural style of Oscar Niemeyer, the Brazilian architect who engineered the city of Brasilia from the blueprint to execution. The city looks like it was made by a computer, even though it's beautiful. 
I was about to say, since you are Brazilian, if you had in mind something like Brasilia. It was one of my inspirations, especially because I've been to Brasilia and it looks It looks different from anywhere in the world, really. <laughs> I can only agree with you. I was in Brasilia just before the lockdown, actually, and I was completely, completely blown away by the fact that this city is a city like no other. I wouldn't say that it's a great place to live necessarily, but it carries a very strong characteristic energy. We could speak about Brasilia and have the whole episode about Brasilia back to Higa. This place was meant to be the prototype, the blueprint for everything that would have happened in what then became Witness. But then something happened and it changed the way it had to relate to the rest of Witness of this world, but as well it has to cope with its own identity and the way it's working. What exactly happened and how actually it came to be? What is the social contract of Higa? What is the economic system? A bit on the history of this fracture, was basically that this man, Denton, was too powerful. He was the overseer of everything. And he was a very controlling man. He wanted to structure every aspect of society. And he was imagining this for absolutely the entirety of witness. Every single person would have allocated resources for them, defined by the state. It would be a, some sort of a incredibly efficient communism. But the fracture came. Of course, there were events that, that I could name, but here's the basic motive The way that Denton saw the world was different from the way people saw the world. So these resources that he allocated and even the form to control his allocation created a hyper-bureaucratic society in which there was very little flexibility. And even now, after the, the events we're going to discuss, you can still say that Hige follows a philosophy of no suffering much more strongly than yes to glory, yes to awesome things happening. It's always about controlling pain and controlling pain and controlling, controlling, controlling. So for a personality, this society is wonderful, but for a lot of personalities, it is not. People feel trapped. People feel like they can't evolve. People feel like uh, whatever the parents were doing is exactly what they're going to do because the society has no movement. So different groups started to break away from what would become Hige for different reasons. Some people for religious reasons, because they wanted to be free to have their spiritual relationship without being mediated by the state. Other people were more economical reasons. They felt like they had this ambition and this entrepreneurship, and this was not a place for that. And they literally broke away from what was the central nervous system of witness, and they created the idea of separate districts. So that's basically the genesis of witness as such. Yes, this, this is the foundational myth, if you like. So how this idea of the floating city then became many. You were asking about the economics, and of course this is a central motif in witness. In the beginning, there was the UN the United Nations, and its concept of floating city. Denton is a man of this culture. He's a kind of senior, very smart bureaucrat, similar to those enlightened, by the way, a well-meaning person. When characterizing the economy that he tried to build, it allows us to build a sort of optimistic version of advanced social democratic economy in witness, which is an interesting trope because it is a model that is actually out there. It is capitalistic, but not too much. And many people aspire to it. It has generated some very successful real world countries, notably in the north of Europe, 
when imagining the economy of Hige, notice that Hige is a Danish word, so there is also even this kind of not to idea of uniformity, of, of social quality, don't stand out too much, but also be very compact and cohesive in the society. The economy of Hige, as we imagine it, is an economy that targets explicitly the Gini coefficient. The Gini coefficient is one of the economic measures of inequality. We hear about it, but not so much, because our real-world economies don't really do that. We do monitor the Gini coefficient, but we don't have a policy in terms of that. We have a general idea that inequality is bad, but really what is happening is we maximize GDP growth. That's what we do. But not in Higge. In Higge, they actually try to keep the Gini coefficient down. How they do it, well, that's kind of an interesting question because, of course, in the real world, we also would like to keep the Gini coefficients down. In Higge, they've decided to make a sort of choice, which is enhance social mobility opportunities for the lower and middle class. Why? Because that motivates to productivity. You work hard, you get ahead. But that stops when you're rich. The rich are prevented from becoming too rich. There's a very, very strongly progressive taxation system, very strong anti-monopolistic policies built in terms of the presence of the state of a district of Higge in the economy. So how do you prevent uh, energy utilities, you know, total to become a giant? You make another total. Is there nationalization of sectors or the state competes with the rest of the economic actors? It's more the second. Nationalization is a bit of a Hail Mary economic policy pass. You know, in a well-run economy, you don't need that because you don't allow a private for-profit company to control your energy, your water, your roads. This is like really bad. If you've done it, you've done it bad. So instead, in Higge, they kind of either centralize the infrastructure provision to the public powers or they have a kind of mixed economy with some private actors and some public actors. And public actors keep the prices down. Imagine, for example, a world in which be a mobile phone company that provides a no-frill service at low price. And that will prevent the other companies to price too high. I see. So this model is a model which is putting the state actor within the frame of competition policy, not outside the frame of competition policy. Yes. Again, this is only a facet of the economic policy making Higge. And this is, by the way, why this experiment is so fascinating for me, because you no longer study policies in a vacuum. What does competition policy look like? If you try to build a credible Higge, the answer is always, well, it depends what you're doing in other sectors of economic policy, right? Right. Everything depends on your objectives. So in this case, are you doing competition policy? Yes. Why are you doing competition policies? To keep prices low. Makes sense. Why do you want to keep prices low? Well, because you want to give a springboard to the lower classes. You want to prevent the suffering. Jaren, going back to the outline of Higgins, we looked a bit into the economy. What about the politics? There was a moment in which Higgins was everything there was. Higgins was witness. Then there was this moment where the district started to break out. And that was a moment of torment. Oil, especially because of the figure of Denton, who basically everybody who was opposed to Denton decided to move away. He became de facto emperor of these districts, even if there was no system to turn him to that. As all opposition left, he was the sole commander of the whole thing. But that was a problem because he became a little obsessed about external policy. He wanted to stop those districts from existing with all of his powers, with all of his resource allocation that he could do. And thus, Higge became incredibly inefficient in so many things for a while. And even this AI, the state machine that governs so many things around witness and creates this harmony in witness, was nagging everyone to force Denton into early retirement for years, because that was the right political movement to do. 
as he had no opposition, there was nobody to actually make that happen. This lasted for years, and it sort of created a, a bad rap for, for Higa among the other districts. And that also created a pendulum movement as soon as Dento was removed from power. There was this huge movement of people trying to turn Higa into something else, to trying to change this political aspect around Higa. And this is where the district got its name. It was a branding choice for people to know that they were not having those aggressive movements anymore. Right now, Higa still has a lot of this past of hyper-bureaucracy. So it's a, it is highly bureaucratic still. There's a movement to, little by little, very comfortably, go back to a more reasonable amount of bureaucrats per capita. There's also a new movement of people who see that this whole set of policies that indeed do what they're trying to do very well, they completely negate another part of the human endeavor. The search for the new, the search for betterment, the search for improvement. There's very little innovation in Hige unless the innovation follows a very particular set of rules set by the bureaucrats. So there's this new movement and maybe Hige at some point will become a place of innovation. The energy is there. From the kind of tale that you are giving of Hige, it looks to me very similar to some of the narratives that we've been listening around portraying systems that were more keen to social democracy, to welfare state, uh, and so on. It almost seems to hear some sort of neoliberal critique of the fact that those kind of systems don't allow innovation, creativity, and that to a certain extent they are some sort of limiting scope of the development of a place. How much of this you are incorporating in Hige? Are you thinking that this is kind of just showing the path of what happened in our societies, for example, when in the 70s and the 80s they had this big break from the idea of a welfare state and we've been seeing across the world from the oil crisis on the modernist idea you mentioned Brasilia and to me what somehow I retain is the the modernist utopia you can build a place which has a structure and where the structure is also fostering a specific type of society for the greater good of its society itself and somehow the way you are describing Hige is something like a society which is trapped in the design of what was meant to be something good. I'm personally a big fan of Brasilia in the sense that I'm a big fan of modernism and I'm a big fan of utopias from this point of view. And I always believe that there should be a way for turning this narrative upside down. I wonder in your creation of the world of Higa, if you are thinking more in the direction of trying to find out a new path towards something that was supposed to be good, it was not good, and then maybe we can find another way for doing it. Or is that a reproduction of the sort of narrative we've been seeing in the past 30, 40 years around the world, basically dismissing a certain idea of modernism. No, I think we are being agnostic here. So what's happening is that Hige more or less symbolizes this Nordic model of homogenous societies, maybe slightly paternalistic, but not less free than some of the others. In fact, I would argue even more free because inequality, there is freedom for a lot of people, freedom from want, freedom from suffering and whatnot. Remember, Witness is a participatory project. We were the stubs, but we are now allowing and even encouraging people to come and help build it with us. So Hige would be a place where people that want to try 
in their head the Nordic model, they can do so. What would a fully developed, even utopian idea of a Nordic model look like? What would its central banking look like, for example? And in the central banking section, I amused myself imagining Higge has embraced modern monetary theory. These guys don't believe there's a such thing as a budget or a state that is kind of impossible. You create your own currency or Higge is fully sovereign from a monetary point of view. The Higge central bankers, they think in terms of we create money into existence, we tax money out of existence to avoid inflation, but we don't care about the budget. It meshes very well with this idea of equality because if you embrace modern monetary theory, that is a powerful idea to fight this notion of austerity. Does it work? Does it not work? Do people like it? People are encouraged in witness to ask themselves, what would it be like to live under this economic system which is so different from ours? Hige is one, one of the most similar, in fact, to systems we do live in, especially in Europe. We hope that uh, over time, people that like the Nordic model, they will develop it. And people that don't like that, they will develop other districts that maybe are more libertarian or more anarchist or whatever. Let me also point to the fact, a little meta now, that, uh, you asked the question, that we, we created this project for this kind of question. Uh, we're not trying to present the answers with our project. We're trying to make you ask the right questions. We are sustaining this doubt. And maybe for you, Higa will be the example of a modernist society that works or the opposite. And those two visions, we're accepting all of them. Maybe you will think tonight, oh, but what if somebody tries to produce some, some product that the state doesn't, what happens? And our project is ready to accept you to write this story. So this is a project about really complicated questions. We're giving you some imagination bricks for you to play with, but we do not claim to have the solution for society. We're trying to get the people who are going to make those solutions and put them all in the same room. No, absolutely. Don't take my reflection as a prescriptive or normative answer expected from my question. I was more asking if you had these kind of things in mind when you were doing the world building exercise and if you really had an idea about how this could have evolved in the future, pretty much in the spirit of witness what Alberto said, that uh, there are some things that you figured out and other things that they are left open to the imagination of everyone everyone of the people that wants to engage and play with Higge and with Witness to engage in this kind of conversation, asking exactly this kind of questions, right? That's the whole point of it. I think Higge, exactly because it's so similar to things that we can observe, it is particularly interesting. Like Brasilia. Brasilia is full of problems. Brasilia was designed so that the rich and the poor would live very, very close to each other. And as the years went by, ghettos were naturally created and rich people would accept to live in smaller places just to be next to the other rich people. But at the same time, when Dubai was expanding, they looked at Brasilia as one of their references to how do we planify the city. Brasilia is also probably one of the few places in Brazil where you don't have gates on the city center, right? It's still open to go from one building to another. Yeah, exactly. And exactly as Brasilia and many other places, even Dubai, if you think about it, is Dubai good? Is Dubai bad? It depends. It is the right kind of itch that we want to scratch in people. Right. I would like to ask a final snapshot from Higa. If we will be there on the streets in, in this very moment, can you give us a snapshot, a little photo, a Polaroid of Higa in this very moment? Sure. You've been invited to an official gallery opening. You walk to the particular place that you're going and it's a building that's clearly new, trying to look old. You can see that it was manufactured to look so, 
but it still has its charm. You believe there's something like Italy there, maybe south of Italy, even though you, you know it's fake. You are about to enter the space and you can see the pieces of art inside and they are geometrical, ever-changing, fractal. There's something about them that even makes you think of like depictions of Islamic art where they do not depict any figure in particular, but they find the patterns that will lead you to this divinity. But you hear a noise. Just outside the door, some people started to gather. They're not in formal clothes like you. They are sort of ragged and they're screaming something, clearly presenting some sort of opposition, some sort of counter movement to exactly what's happening inside the gallery. And now you have a choice. Do you enter and you interact with those geometries and those patterns and this orderly beauty? Or do you stay outside and see the drama happening? This is Higa. Thank you so much, Joriam. On this note, I would say that I would love to be standing in front of this building in this very moment, I have to say. But we are going to keep our exploration of Witness in the next episodes. And in the show notes, you will find the links to the Witness Wiki, where you can join the community and this incredible experiment of co-creation. You will also find a link to the membership page of our Europe to become part of the most unconventional club out there and support independent European journalism. Thank you so much, Joram, for joining. And Alberto, I'm happy to share this journey through Witness together. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. I see you in Witness. This podcast was brought to you by Are We Europe, a border-breaking media trying to bridge the gaps in European culture and identity. You can become an Are We Europe member and connect with storytellers across the continent starting at 4 euros per month. Just go to areweeurope.com slash member and help Are We Europe build a new media for a changing continent.